Thank you, ladies. Appreciate that. Appreciate the testimony. Um, and thank you, men, who, if you had children to watch while the ladies were away or whatever, and as a sacrifice to, to everybody. <laughs> if you heard that, he only lost one of his kids, so that's good. I mean, that's a pretty good record there. So <laughs> since I'm an est- we're empty nesters, I put about six or 800 miles on the bike. And uh, so I'm looking forward to next year, you know, when they have this, uh, where they... <laughs> No, it, w- it was a, a tremendous blessing, I'm sure, to all involved. Thank you for um, uh, doing everything that you can to, to have that. Ladies enjoyed it. Looking forward to, as the Lord continues to, to bless there. Take your Bibles in Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter number 28, and we'll be reading from verse number 10 down through verse number 22, the end of the chapter. Genesis chapter number 28 from verse number 10. Read, toward, uh, read the rest of that chapter beginning with verse number 10. Uh, read silently as I read out loud and then we'll, we'll focus in on our text which is in verse number 17. But let's start back in verse number 10. Genesis chapter 28 verse number 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran... And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and laid down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. Behold, a ladder set on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land wherein thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace... Then shall, I, shall the Lord be my God, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Going back to verse number 17 again, this is our text. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Thank you, God, for this, your word. I pray that you help us this morning to see a few 
truths out of this text that would be a blessing. Lord, help us to understand your love and your, your salvation offered to mankind. Lord, I pray that you just be with us right now as we look to your word. Lord, we ask that you would uh, reveal it unto us. There are people here that may need to be saved. There are believers here that need to be uh, stirred and challenged. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would speak to each and everyone that's here today. Thank you for this, your word. I pray that you bless it now in, uh, in this service. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Jacob comes across the vision of a ladder that reaches to heaven. We call this uh, Jacob's ladder. The, the, the passage of scripture that we're dealing with here is referred back to as Jacob's ladder. ladder. God is dealing with men through that ladder. It's his approach. It's God's attempt. It's, it's the Lord's advance to men. It's a ladder that was set on the earth to heaven, and the Bible says there's angels ascending and descending. God is dealing with mankind through this ladder or by the means of this ladder. God desires to reunite with his creation. He desires to fellowship again. The fall has separated men from God, and since Adam and Eve disobeyed, they began hiding from God. Men have followed suit and run from his blinding holiness ever since. It is this ladder that we'll look at this morning, Jacob's ladder. Our purpose in our church's mission statement is taken from Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. The purpose, the, the, the uh, um, motto or mission statement we, we uh, have held to is impacting lives by proclaiming the word of God to make Christ known throughout the Seattle area. That's what our job is here as a church, to make the Lord known to others, those around us. Paul's goal is revealed in that verse that we've taken that from, that thought from, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. He says that I may know him. He, he was, it's like he knew the Lord, but that he would know him more. That was his goal. That was his desire. That was, was his, his uh, uh, determination so that he, could, that he would know him, that he would know the Lord, know him more. Our goal is to make Christ known. And for us, the most significant aspect of understanding our Savior is his effort to rescue that race that he's created and that he loves. And he's, he's uh, uh, given this, he's uh, determined to allow us to have this salvation through this ladder or this attempt. It's in line with, with, with Jesus' marching orders to the church that he started here on earth. He found in Matthew chapter 28. This is called the uh, Great Commission. We call this the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And this is what he said. This is what he said to us. He said, Go ye therefore... And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. This is what God has, what Jesus said, what our job is to do is to go out and preach and teach Christ. To make, no, make God known. That's what our job is. To, to make the Lord known. God's grand, grand plan of salvation extended to a fallen race is pictured 
in this dream that Jacob had in this ladder. He dreams of this ladder that is uh, from, he- uh, from earth to heaven, and, and God is dealing with mankind through that ladder, angels ascending and descending on that ladder. Our, that great commission is even more abbreviated in Mark chapter 16, where we read, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what our job is. That's what we're supposed to be doing. See, the gospel means good news. The good news is that your creator has made provision for you to be reunited with him. Salvation is available. You can go to heaven. I can be saved. Just as the teenagers, they, uh, they preached they, in their song. It was, uh, I got saved. Yes, I can be saved. You can be saved. Uh, you can be forgiven of your sins. I can be redeemed. Thank the Lord for that. For God to illustrate his advance to men over and over again, it must be important to him for us to get it. And he pictured salvation in Jacob's dream, in that Jacob's ladder, uh, in different ways. God's approach to man, his, his uh, uh, advance to, to men, and, and God illustrates it in different ways. We see that approach and provision in this ladder, that ladder that's set up that God deals with man upon. We see it in the divinely appointed sacrifice of Abel as opposed to Cain's sacrifice. You remember the the first two of the offspring of Adam and Eve? And God instructed them to be right with him. You bring an offering of a lamb or or (coughs) of the flock that, uh, that you have, and that would be acceptable. And, of course, that is looking forward to the only acceptable offering that we can have is the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb that taketh away the sin of the world. But I'm sure that's what that, that portrayed, was the, the lamb, the sacrificed lamb. And so Abel paid attention, he obeyed, he brought a lamb to offer to God. His, his sacrifice was acceptable, and Cain's offering of the fruit of his garden was not acceptable. It wasn't that Cain didn't want to be uh, united to the Lord and that he didn't want to be right with God or that uh, uh, he had bad intentions. No, he had the proper intentions, but he didn't pay attention to the only acceptable sacrifice would be that lamb, which would be accepted, And but Cain thought better. Cain thought he had a better idea. Cain thought, well, with my work and my labor, look at what I can show God that I can do for him, and that was, that was rejected, just as every person that has ever lived to offer their own good works, their own sincerity, their own religiosity. You you can get baptized, you can give money, you can try to help others, and that's not acceptable, that's not salvation. A person cannot be saved by what they do and how that they can pull themselves up. They can't do that. It's only by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that blood that that was sung about this morning. And thank the Lord for that blood. Well, that's what that the picture of that lamb was. Salvation. We see salvation also at the Passover lamb in the days, days of the Egyptian bondage. When uh, the last of the ten plagues, there was the, the, the plague of the firstborn, everybody in every home and every house, whether it be palace or shed, everybody that had a firstborn child would die when God's judgment uh, came over the land unless you had <coughs> the blood of a lamb that was prescribed to be uh, uh, posted on the outside of that door, on the doorpost and lintel of that house, 
And if the, if the blood was there, then God's judgment would pass over that family, that home, and they would be saved from the condemnation of God. What a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his blood, I don't have to face the condemnation of my sin, which is proper, which is earned, which is just. Jesus Christ was the one that bore the penalty of my sin, and now the, the condemnation of God passes over me because I have the blood. What a picture of salvation. We see that same picture of salvation in the brazen serpent that Moses lifted up in the wilderness. We won't go into this, uh, much into the story, but the children of Israel sinned, and they were being justly uh, condemned by God. There were people that were dying, and so the, uh, Moses went to the Lord. And he said, what do we do? And he says, you make a serpent, a brazen serpent, not a real one, but a, a, a serpent made of brass or bronze, and you lift it up in the middle of the camp, and so therefore, anybody that's bit and is dying from the poison that was in these snakes, if they were to look, they were to live. We sing the song, look and live. Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. It was that, that brazen serpent that Jesus referred to. He says that's who he was. He was the brazen serpent. <coughs> what a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. How can, how can Jesus be portrayed in the symbol of a snake? But he was on this, on this pole. It wasn't a real snake. It was in the form of a snake. Just like Jesus is not a sinner, but he came in the form of a sinner. He took flesh like you and I, except he was not a sinner. And when he was on the cross, he bore the penalty of our sin. Our, our condemnation was upon him. And the, the, the judgment of God was poured upon Jesus as a criminal paying for your sin and my sin, but he had none. He was innocent. He was that brazen serpent. And therefore, the father turns his back on Jesus on the cross. Or Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Never one time did he disappoint the father. Never one time did he do anything wrong, but he was treated as a criminal. He was the one that took the punishment. And, and Jesus being lifted up on the cross, same thing. Look and live. My brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. You have sin. I have sin. We, we must do something with that. Otherwise, we're going to face the, the, the just penalty of our sin, breaking, transgressing the, the, the holy laws of God, and we can go to the cross to have pardon, have forgiveness, have grace, have mercy extended to us. Thank the Lord in that picture of salvation in the brazen serpent. We see that same picture of salvation in the shelter from the falling judgment in Noah's day. When the, the judgment of God was upon the human race and God said, okay, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He says, this is how you will uh, uh, go through this judgment. This is how you'll, you'll avoid the condemnation of God to the world. You build this ark, get in the ark. The Bible says there were only eight souls that took advantage of that. Although Noah preached in his generation, lived about 120 years building that ark and preaching. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Others knew about it. Other, others knew about the judgment of God. How could they not? I mean, here's this giant boat as, a, as a, an object lesson, as a, as a neon sign to the, to the world around him. There's coming a judgment of God and God's going to send a flood and all people will die. He's building this boat on a mountain. What in the world? 
There's not even a place to, uh, to get that boat over to uh, the, the local lakes or, or uh, uh, seas or wherever the, what was uh, taking place there on, on earth at the time. And he was laughed at and he was scoffed and nobody took advantage. But you know what the Bible says? Eight souls got in that ark and they were saved. They were saved from the judgment of God. What a picture of salvation. See, each one of these, they, they portray salvation. We see that salvation in, uh, in Aaron in the rebellion of Korah in Numbers chapter 16. Uh, the story behind this is that uh, uh, there was a rebellion against Moses and, and God judged them. But then the, the people of God came to, to side with the, those in rebellion. And God was done. He was, he was, his patience had run out. And so he sent a plague. And here uh, Moses uh, and Aaron are, are saying, what do we do? And, and so God gives them the instructions that we read in Numbers chapter 16, verse number 47. This pictures our high great priest extinguishing divine wrath. It says, and Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. Behold, the plague was begun among the people and he put incense. This is the instruction of God. He put incense and made an atonement for the people. Look at verse 48. And he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed. People were dying and there, there's no hope. They're, they're going to be destroyed. So he stands in between in this plague as it's coming. You can almost see it as a, some kind of a giant wave. And he stands in between those who died and those who are living. And because he, he stood with the instruction of God, with the, that incense and that sacrifice, it stopped. Stopped the judgment of God. What a picture of salvation. Jesus standing between the dead and the living. And he comes and he stops the, the plague of destruction that they deserved. Right. What a picture of salvation. See, each one of these, uh, Jacob's ladder and the, and the ark and the, uh, the, the incense and the, all of these, the, the lamp, all of these were a picture of what would take place on that mount called Calvary. But we see it most clearly in God's masterpiece, illustrating his love <coughs> on Mount Calvary. Every other portrayal of God's salvation, pardon extended, mercy held forth, the stay of judgment, the substitutionary atonement of that lamb, they were all pictures, they were all illustrations or object lessons to underscore the truth of a divine rescue of God having to do with a fallen uh, creature, that uh, Jacob's ladder that God had set up to redeem, to deal with mankind. They were pictures that underscored the truth of a divine rescue. All the pictures pointed to that hill, that hill called Mount Calvary. His great love was manifest with each stroke of the brush of his hand on the canvas of the cross. Those around the foot of the throne of that cross, that called it a throne, no, no, those torture beams, that place of execution, they could say, as the Jews said of Jesus' love for Lazarus in John 11, verse 36, behold how he loved him. They could say that of Jesus for the, for the sinners that he was dying for. Behold how he loved them. Yes, behold how he, he loved them. He loved them unto the end, as, as the Bible says. Behold how he loves you and me. For God so loved the world... That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a picture of God's love. 
See, all of those illustrations, they portrayed what God was doing in salvation to rescue that fallen creature called the human race. The cross is that ladder to heaven. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's that ladder. He's that one that's in between. He's the one who is the mediator. He's the one to bring God and man together. And you see Jacob dreams of this in his... And it's, and it's a picture of the salvation of God. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to note that in the story that we read in Genesis chapter 28, that Jacob was unsuspecting. He was just going from one place to the other. And he meets the Lord. It had nothing to do with Jacob's search. Jacob wasn't searching for God. It had nothing to do especially of, of Jacob's piety or his desire. He wasn't looking for God. If you, if you read the story around Jacob's life at this time, he's kind of... Uh, He's in disobedience and he's in, in uh, uh, deceit and, and he's just being Jacob and he's, and he's, and he's running from God at a, at a full gallop. And he comes to this place and, and uh, he, he wasn't concerned about God's agenda. He wasn't concerned about God's desire and God's fidelity to his promise to Jacob's forefathers. No, no. He was just in a certain place at a certain time and God spoke to him. God had him to, to see this ladder, this, this dream that God gave him. You think you're saved because you're something really special? You think you're saved because how you searched for the Lord? Uh, no, excuse me, the Bible says there's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. Right. None of us. None of us are saved because we have something that is inherently good in, in us and, and we're just basically in, in the, 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 the very kernel of who we are, we're good. No, we're not good. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All men are liars. Listen, the Bible says this is who we are, and, and, and you're saved today if you are. You, you've come to the Lord because the Lord sought you out. Thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for his goodness, because God sought me out. He chased after me. I'm running from him, and he sought me out because of his love and his mercy and his goodness, his fidelity to his own promise. Not because of me. And, and in the story here in Genesis chapter 28 is Jacob gets this vision of this ladder and he wakes up and, and he says, whoa, whoa, I, didn't, I had no idea that God was here. And he calls that place dreadful. The, the, the Hebrew word for dreadful, I don't know if I can pronounce it properly or not, it's Yahweh. It means, it's a primitive root word, it means to fear, to fear morally, to revere, to cause to frighten. It's kind of a, a weird uh, term that is used a few times in the Old Testament. The connotation is that there's something or someone to respect or revere, but it's in relation to morality or holiness. Someone who is so holy, so pure, that brings awe, but also fear. So much so that in contrast to the observer, he fears when he's, when he's uh, uh, exposed to this one. He's in self-condemnation for his own failure or his own impurity. 
at the same time awesome, but also frightful. What a perfect human adjective in describing the Lord. Dreadful. Daniel uses this word in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 4. It's the same Hebrew word. He says, and I prayed unto the Lord God and made confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And then he says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. He, he came to God and he, he noted who he was, he, as he calls him, the great and dreadful God in relation to our sin and our wickedness, how holy God is and how awesome he is, how powerful he is, how pure he is, and then looking at us and our sin, as he says, our iniquity, our wickedness, our rebellion, and that brings a, a, an attitude of dreadfulness in the presence of this God. Malachi also described his return in these words, Malachi 4.5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is talking about not the first advent, but the, actually the, the next one, the one we're looking forward to when Jesus returns. It, it's called the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's because of his blinding purity that our summons before him is described in a light of frightening judgment. The great and dreadful day. Listen, if you're on his side, if you're forgiven, if you're, if you're adopted into his family, it's a great day. But if you're not, if you're not saved, if you're going to be facing God in your sins, it's a dreadful day that the Bible says. Now, when Jacob met God in this way, it changed him forever. When God made clear the, the, the ladder that, that went up to heaven and that, that God is, is, is desiring to, to connect, God is desiring his salvation is offered to Jacob and to all men. When, when he came to these realizations and he met God in this way, it changed him forever. And I could say, when I got saved, it changed me forever. <laughs> That's for sure. You see, because Jacob saw his purity, his concern, his love for him and his unrighteousness and who he was. He knew exactly who he was. You can fool others. You can't fool God. And he knew exactly who he was, but God was, was extending because he loved Jacob. When one comes face to face with who God is and his power and his holiness and his his justice and his love, we're also transformed. When I finally came to, to his love for this worthless piece of garbage, it changed me forever also. Just this morning, as they're singing about the love of Jesus, I can't, I can't get over that. I cannot get over that. When I think back to when I got saved, I was so unworthy am today too, but back then it was like, why? Why would he love me? Why would he be concerned for me? Why would he be after me? Why does he want me? After I tried to be Christian over and over and over again and fail and fail and it's just not working and, and I proved to myself and him that I was unworthy. I was worthless, but he loved me and he kept at it and he wanted to show his love to me. Folks, that transformed me. I remember that night when I broke down and I just said, okay, God, 
I need you more than I need my sin. I want you. And, he's, and he said yes. And he accepted me. I can't see my notes now. Maybe that's good. <laughs> I cut the thing short here. <clears throat> when you understand that divine ladder extended down to you, you're compelled to respond. Amen. See, God has kept you alive to this point, friend, to have all the confusion swept away. I don't know who you are, where you're from, or your, your situation, or you, you know, where, you, where you're at. But you know what? There's people that in their life, they, they want answers, and they're just, they just come to confusion. They don't know why. They don't have a clue. God's kept you alive to this point today so you'd hear that clear message of his salvation extended to you, his love extended to you, how that you can be saved. You can be connected to this one who loves you. The question is, what are you going to do with the offer? Jesus loves me. This I know. The Bible tells me so. We got his word, his promise. And thank the Lord for that. A few things that happened to Jacob here. Number one, Jacob acted upon God's promise. In our text, Genesis chapter 28, verse 20, it says, And Jacob vowed a vow. When, when he came in, in contact with this God who loved him, who extended to him, it moved him to make a decision. He vowed a vow, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way. That, what he's saying, God, if you are going to do what you just promised that you're going to be doing, if you're going to keep that word, if you're going to love me like that, if you're going to... Take me in, unworthy, Jacob. You're going to do that for me. Then it, it brought him to a decision, to a, a, a vow. Uh, verse 20 references God's promise back in verse 13. That's what God said. This is what I'm going to do. It's a place to where we learn the promise of God. We learn his word. We learn his principles, his direction, his warning is uh, uh, for us. His treasured assurances, his guarantees to us. When we learn of God, let me ask you something. Can you trust his promise? Oh, boy. The more that I've learned every, every moment that I live since I've been saved, God is faithful, and it's just he's proven over and over and over again, and he'll come through. Thank the Lord for him, for who he is. And you know what? When we see that, it, it'll bring us to a conclusion. It, it'll... it'll Bring us to act upon his promise. And also, uh, Jacob met with God later on in life because of that experience right there. Genesis chapter 32, the Bible says, verse 24, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. You know what? Jacob knew at this point in his life, and this was like 21 years later, after Bethel, that experience, the house of God experienced there in the, the wilderness, 
this was 21 years later, he knew that God has blessing and the only place that I can go for this blessing is the Lord. And he realized, I'm not, I'm not moving. I'm not leaving this spot. I'm not letting you go, God. I need to be blessed. I need you. I need you to come through. And he understood that from that experience that he had way back when, when he met the Lord. Let me say this. Once you meet God, you're never the same. You'll, you'll never settle for mediocre. Thank the Lord for that. Isn't that a blessing? You can't just go back into looking down. You'll forever look up once you know the Lord. It, it, it's, it's transforming. And Jacob referenced this experience all of his life. The time when he met God at Bethel, where, where he, he was just sleeping on some stones. He had this dream, woke up and said, God's in this place. And, and he made a makeshift altar at that point with the, with the pillow. It became a pillar, like a, like a, a worship temple. And he, and he worshiped God at that, that spot. And then 28 years later in Jacob's life, matter of fact, God referred to this, this point in his life. 28 years later, after this latter experience, in Genesis chapter 35, verse number 1, he's still looking back to Bethel. Look what God says. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel. Now, the only place we're talking about, it was this town called Luz before, and just meant a place of almond trees or hazelnut trees. That's all it meant. It wasn't a special place. But, but he renamed it the house of God. God met me here. God trans, uh, 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 he, he communicated with me here. And God refers back to that place as the house of God. This is Bethel. This is that place where God was, was communicating to him. And God refers back to that very spot. He says, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee. When thou fleddest from the face of Esau, thy brother. He's referencing that time when he first met the Lord. That time when he communicated with God. That God showed him his wonders and his, and his, good, his love towards Jacob, and God says, get back to that place. And you know what? He did at this point. It was like a revival in his life. Not only impacted him, but it was noted by God. See, because Jacob, Jacob referenced all of his life, referenced back to that time that he met the Lord, that the Lord made a change in his life, in his heart. I remember when I got saved. Oh, my goodness. I thank the Lord for his goodness upon me. Thank the Lord for what he's done for me. When I got saved and was trying to be a witness to others in, in my high school, I was a, a, a sophomore in high school or junior, I remember when I got saved, tried to be a witness and rejected by friends that I, would, I thought were, were good, close friends and found out they were not friends at all. But I had to stay with the Lord and made those decisions it was special. You know something, folks, to this day, let's see, I'm 60 this year. That was back when I was 16, okay? So you do the math. And way back then is, I, I reference that to this day. What I learned of God then, I reference back, and to this day, I, I walk with God because of what God showed himself to be to me back then. I remember getting a, that first Bible that, was, that I could call my Bible. A friend of mine actually bought it for me. It had a leather cover. 
It wasn't, a, you know, this one cheapo dollar thing. It was a leather cover with my name on it, you know. And I remember get, just cherishing that Bible as a, as a young believer, opening it up and, and reading about what God, the, the wonders that God had for me and the, and the, the, the times that I had with the Lord in, in, in my own room at night as a, as a young believer. I remember that. Meeting with the, with the Lord in different places and different times of my life that were, that were uh, uh, they were special. When I was in Bible college, I remember, you know, getting so much information and so much knowledge of, of what the Bible says here. What the, but then the question is, what am I going to do? Where am I going to be? What am I doing for the Lord? And I remember taking this one uh, uh, evening. It was, it was, there was nobody during school uh, hours. There's a, a bustle of people and activity. But this was after school hours. I remember going through the administration building and there was this uh, three or four uh, flight staircase and getting in, uh, in that staircase and just plopping myself down and, and dealing with the Lord and said basically what Jacob said. God, I'm, I'm going to be yours. I want, I want you to be whatever it is that you want me to be to you. And you know what? Today, I remember that like it was yesterday. Today, I remember signing on the dotted line. There's certain times in my life where when God's special to me or when he's, he's, he's especially present in my life. I remember when I got married and had our first child and loved him so much. I couldn't believe how much a person could love someone else. And I loved him so much. And, and before his second birthday, I think he might have been one. I don't know. But he came down with what they told us, spinal meningitis. And I didn't know anything about it at the time. And. I remember being in this hospital and just weeping. Just weeping for my son. Saying, God, thank you for giving him to me. Please spare him. And the Lord being there with me. And our relationship that we, folks, I remember that like, like it was yesterday. I remember the good things and the bad things and the, and the victories. I remember coming out to this place and Driving across country, I drove through. Uh, there was guys that were in Sunday school, and they, they saw Yellowstone. I drove through Yellowstone with, at the time, uh, uh, two young boys. Uh, they were two and four in this little car. We were, first time, I'd never been in Yellowstone before. Drove through Yellowstone, and I remember stopping by the side of the, the uh, uh, road, and there was this river there, and and he said, hey, let's go down and let's just go look at the river, just wilderness. And me and my little family would go down there. And, and I saw some, some uh, it looked like cougar tracks, you know, in the mud. And I saw that and I thought, <laughs> I'm going to scare my kids here. I just said, hey, guys, look, there's cougar tracks. That means there's cougars around here. And, you know, it's dangerous, really. And so you got to be careful because, you know, this coming, they'll snatch you. And I'm trying to get it real, you know, dramatic. And they, they're all worried about it. They're, let's get in the car, let's get in the car. And I'm going, no, no, no. That, those, that's probably, you know, in, in rock, in stone, some, you know, years and years ago. There was a, and I felt it, and it was muddy. It was, it was just happened right before. Get in the car. <laughs> I remember coming across country and not knowing a soul, but you know, knowing that the Lord said, I want you there. I want you to do this. I didn't know. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, he just take this step and take next this step and then take this step 
And I was just saying, okay, Lord, what next? Okay, Lord, what next? And so, and I remember those. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. And that was now 33 years ago. Oh, man, that makes me old. Um, like I say, I remember the difficulties also. I remember laying my loved one in, in the dirt. I remember um, just asking God for it to stop, you know, the, the pain. And it doesn't stop. You go through it. Listen, people, uh, just as the Bible says, man is born unto trouble as the sparks fly upwards. The difficulties of, that we have to face because of, because of the fall, because of Adam's sin and now death passed upon all men and for all have sin. And I remember facing those things and not knowing what to do about it, but God was there. God putting his arms around me. Folks, you know what? I remember God being so good in all of his dealings with me. I, I, I remember praying at this altar <laughs> with Brother Ron there in the back. He's standing there, Brother Ron. You remember, you and I, we, we'd set up the church, clean things, and then we we kneel down to pray before we left at about one in the morning or whatever. <laughs> I remember praying at this altar and praying a specific prayer. God, you know that I, I need a spouse. I don't know what to do for that. I don't have much to give, but <laughs> here I am and you know my needs. And from heaven, him answering that, that request, I have... My, my wife, where'd she go? She's gone. Oh, there she is. <laughs> Folks, the times in my life that God was special to me all of my life, I referenced those things. And I go back just, just as Jacob referenced the experience he had in, in that part of his life, all of the rest of his life, he looked back to it. And God referenced it and says, hey, listen, you remember when you were so close to me? It's time to get back to Bethel. It's time to, to cut the, the foolishness. Get back to that place where it was real. We walked together. We communicated. And see, the thing about Jacob and that experience, I've got, I've got to close, I don't understand. He used the common for the divine you know, remember the night before, he's sleeping on a bunch of rocks, these stones for pillars, for, for pillows, and he gets up at night and says, God's here, and he's speaking to me. And this was, it was a, a place in Genesis chapter 28, verse number 18, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, a temple, a worship place, and poured oil upon top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel. You see, folks, you can use your common stones for his use. And sometimes we kind of think that, well, you know, God's got to, to, to deal with him. It's got to be some uh, fantastical and unbelievable and unusual, uncommon. No, no, he'll take the common things. He will, he will meet with you in your prayer closet. He will deal with you. You see, Jacob was, there was nothing special going on there. Nothing out of the ordinary. He was merely traveling from one place to another. The Bible says he, he lighted upon a certain place. It was no place special to him. It was just common. We think that God can only deal with us when the sky turns yellow right before a tornado or when we narrowly escape death 
uh, or when we're leading a murdering drug dealer to the Lord. No, no, nothing can be further than the truth. The Lord is in this place, as he said, and I knew it not. I didn't realize God was here. I didn't realize God had a, a purpose for me and a plan for me, and he wants me to know it. He wants me to walk with him right here, right now, in my family, in my home, at my work, at my school, and God desires that. <clears throat> When we get the picture that God is working and interacting with us where we live, it changes our outlook. The Lord had the same care and concern and watch care over Jacob, but Jacob was different after these things were revealed. He was now aware of it, and it changed his life. Hey, listen, believer, you better be aware that God is desirous to have a part of your life more than I believe he has in many cases. Time to get back to Bethel. If you're here and you've never experienced the, the pardon, the forgiveness of sin, what you need is you need to get saved. Friend, you need to be saved. And, and his, his extension to you, his, his offer to you, that, that ladder from heaven to earth is extended to you and you need to be saved unless you get saved except what, the, the only acceptable sacrifice, which is the blood of Christ. You're going to die and go to hell. But God loves you. He, want, he wants to interrupt that progression. He wants to stop you right there. He wants to, to show his love to you. You need to be saved. And I'm going to ask you to be saved, to, to come to the front as soon as we have this invitation. I believe that we need to respond to God dealing with our heart, our life. How dreadful is this place? This place where God's speaking to you, God's speaking to me. Let's stand with our heads bowed as we.